Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. Thanks for joining us here for another episode of Appalachian Shine. It's the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And I'm J.C. Swangruber, the usual host. And as many of you know me uh, or may not know me, I'm the uh, one of the founders of the organization and the president of the organization. And we're honored to do the podcast, Appalachian Shine. And this month, since it's a holiday month and going into the holidays here at Christmas, uh, I wanted to, um, thought we'd on the podcast, introduce all of our listeners and new folks who are hearing about the foundation to some of, to actually all of our board members. So we're going to be doing an interview uh, individually with each one and just talking to our board members, getting to know them so you can get to know them and understand a little bit about what we do and why we do it today. I appreciate uh, Dr. Gary Stratton uh, for joining us here. And I'm going to let Gary give a little bit of his background, but he's one of the original founders and um, actually one of my earliest college professors, believe it or not, at uh, Clinch Valley College, when it was called Clinch Valley College. Gary, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, JC. How are you? Hey, good, good. Appreciate you jumping on here with me today to talk a little bit about, actually, we're just going to talk about you, let people get to know you. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, where you got started off at. First off, you make us proud. You've been a good, good, uh, you know, you was a good student and you've done incredible things since then. So thank you. Uh, this is one of this is one of them here. This is the foundation. Fantastic. Uh, again, I, I teach at Kentucky State University now back in Frankfort, Kentucky, but I was at University of Virginia Wise, formerly Clinch Valley College for many years. And that's how we met there. My first semester there, actually. So yeah. I won't say when, but it was a few years ago. But uh, so, yeah, just a great place to be right in the heart of the mountains there. I'm, I'm in, in the bluegrass area of Kentucky now, but still uh, want to do a lot of things in Appalachia and try to do what we can to uh, make a difference there. Now, when I met you, I was I was a senior in college, and it was your first semester there teaching, and you were teaching business and economics and uh, statistics, one of my worst classes ever. <laughs> I was terrible at statistics, um, but, uh, but you know, I was in the economics. You were an economics professor, and you just had finished your master's, not or your PhD, actually, mm-hmm. not long before that. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you went to school at and what uh, what your degrees are in. Well, it's uh, economics and finance uh, at Clemson. That's where I got the PhD. Then before that, I got uh, econ and uh, master's degree at uh, uh, Murray State University in the western part of Kentucky, and then econ at University of Kentucky back uh, back in the late eighties. So yeah, you're a yeah UK uh, proud. You you follow all the basketball. You're big into basketball. I'm well diversified in my sports. I have. Because I went to two years at University of Louisville, even before that, so I've got so I've always got a winning team somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah, you do, and and you're uh, as I've learned over the years, 
Clemson football and so forth. Yeah. The Avs. I've learned it. Well, yeah, you got national champions everywhere. What are you going to do? Exactly. That's the, but I've learned, you know, over the years, you're also a fan of horse racing. And uh, you actually grew up on a farm, not a horse farm, but what was what was growing got, up like? Here got a cattle farm here in uh, central Kentucky. We had uh, beef cattle and uh, hay and so forth here and uh, just wonderful life. If anybody's grown up on a farm, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a great feeling to produce something, be out in the open uh, open air. And uh, we'll go through the uh, Oliver Wendell Douglas I don't know if anybody's seen Green Acres or not, but uh, he has a great rendition of why he, <laughs> why he likes farming. But uh, it is a great life, and uh, I encourage anyone to get out on the farm when they can. Now, when you finished uh, up your Ph.D. and you, you went to Clinch Valley, I think I'm, I'm dating myself and you both here, but I'm, I'm saying 95, right around? It was fall of 95, yeah. Fall of 95, okay. And uh, so you taught business and economics there for – number of years before yes. I think you relocated back um, mostly because your parents were aging and, and uh, yeah, they were aging in, in their nineties and just recently died last year, but I came back here in 2017. It's my fifth year back at Kentucky state university now going in, in into my fifth year. Now um, we, we kept contact over the years from college mm-hmm. all the way through to, you know, to today and we're business partners in another endeavor. Um, you're one of the original founders of the foundation. We got started in 2014 and kind of just like walked into it sort of blind doing what we do here at the foundation. Um, but I want, I want to take just a second and read our mission statement. So everyone understands a little bit about what our mission is and uh, our mission statement. Our mission is to promote the very best of Appalachia to shine a light on the rich history, culture, arts, and economic opportunities that await. It is our mission to promote Appalachia as an experience, an amazing place to visit, tour, and live. And, uh, you know, I really, we, we bantered around ideas on our mission statement. And, you know, me, I got, I've really got into economics when I started getting interested in the stock market when I was in high school. And, of course, this has been your, you know, economics has been your passion. And uh, one of the things that we wanted, when we set the foundation up, we didn't want to be kind of typical, like, hey, woe is us, let's look at our poverty, let's highlight all this, why we have all these horrible mm-hmm. needs, you know, and it's not that those pockets of Appalachia don't exist, they still exist to this day, there are places, believe it or not, that still don't have plumbing, I mean, that, that's sad, but but that's part of Appalachia, but there's so much of Appalachia that people didn't realize, there's so much, with these these beautiful mountains, it's like a, you know, a hug, you know, to the people that are from here that that uh, that call this place home, like like you did, and you come back here all the time, even living over uh, in Frankfurt now. Um, so people need to understand that we have a board member. You're always back, so uh, it's not like you're you, you left, uh, but it's like you split time. Um, and that's one of the things when we first started that you and I talked a great deal about was shining a light on the best of Appalachia, not the worst. And how we could transition as an or, not just as an organization, but as communities and and yeah, and and um, I guess you know elected officials around the area and grassroots citizens need to focus on economic opportunities. Stop looking at things as obstacles and look at them as opportunities, especially economic opportunities. Can you talk a little bit about that and um, kind of kind of the things that you see in Appalachia that? Um, 
that are so beneficial in, in regards to economic development and opportunities? Yeah, there's, uh, of course, many of that. We, we look at the glasses half full, right, not half empty. And, uh, you know, if you look at the folks of Appalachia, the most, for the most part, they're hardworking, they're caring, they work together. So, again, we want to take those attributes and along with, again, the, the beauty you have there and, and turn, turn that into jobs and opportunities and uh, economic development that, you know, that, that stems from that. And uh, I just want to mention, you know, one of the other uh, original board members, James Hibbets. Uh, I, I, do we have anything up on the, hopefully, we'll, if not, we'll get something up on the uh, website about James, because he's one of the original board members who's since died, and uh, you know, we have great memories of him, but he was all about economic development, and <clears throat> taking the, the opportunities we have, the beauty of the region, uh, you know, the aspects of, uh, of all the, you know, the folks uh, that live there, and, you know, taking that and look at some and he had some interesting projects, still working on those projects, actually. Maybe they'll, so, they'll come to fruition. Uh, but, you know, the, those are more tourism related. But, again, he had such a, a mission and desire for, uh, as we all do. But, uh, again, uh, he was one of our driving forces many years ago. But, you know, his was mostly tourism. But, you know, ours is overall economics, financial literacy, economic development, and uh, all aspects, not just tourism, but and looking at just making people's lives better through, again, helping them understand how they can invest, how they can create their own business, whatever it may be. And they have the, uh, the capabilities to do it. There's a lot of good educational facilities in, uh, all through the mountain region now, as you know. And the, the, the tools are there. We just have to encourage and motivate people to, to take advantage of those. Yeah. Now, James, he was a he was a unique a unique spirit, and we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about James uh, in a little bit too. I, I okay, to okay. Talk to, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, him and uh, Melinda as another founder. Exactly. Um, and but James, yeah, he would he would take that big dream and and uh, and those the, the tourism and try to marry those visions with an entre entrepreneurial spirit. Right. And uh, he was he was very much a dreamer. And, and, and uh, there's one unique project we'll, we'll talk about, but, you know, you, you and I, I mean, we've, we've kind of, we've kind of talked about this too. We've, when any, anytime we're driving through uh, central Appalachia, whether it be in Southwest Virginia, East Tennessee, parts of Southern West Virginia, um, and specifically Eastern Kentucky, because when I travel to Frankfurt to work, um, yeah, just for disclosure, uh, Gary and I, we have a business, uh, an investment advisor business in Frankfurt. We have an office there and I work from home in Virginia, but, you know, I go there about once a month, try to, and, uh, you know, Gary comes back here very often for you know, friends here that, that he works with and helps and, and then our board, uh, you know, and then our, our, our foundation, but, you know, we'll drive through Eastern Kentucky and even some of the, you know, the, you know, the places that are most economically distressed, broken at Letcher County, um, all the way up across Mountain Parkway to McGoffin County, which is, you know, very economically distressed as well. But when we drive past places, we'll look at areas. You and I have done this just in the car together. Just, you know, why don't they put something like that there? That'd be a great place to have, you know, this type of business. Or, you know, they kind of have resources here. that wish they had seed money to do X, Y, or Z. And we're just, we, we look at opportunity and not just right. bare mountains, you know, and like, you know, not, not just coal. 
not just, you know, um, the timber and lumber business, but, you know, one of the things I think you talked about that we're starting to see now, we, we were talking about this eight years ago, nine years ago when we first started, um, where you've seen mountaintop removal. Mm -hmm. Why are we not laying solar panels down up there on those, those areas? And now we're seeing it happen. Yeah, there are Martin County, a few places it's happening now, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's an opportunity. And for, for um, and not just that, but we've also looked at a lot of these natural gas wells that have been capped up. Uh, as natural gas is coming on, what are ways we can, yes, yeah, there are entrepreneurs out there that are willing to come in and uncap those and take advantage of some of those resources so mm -hmm. that people that own private land can make a little bit of money off of the resources on their own property they don't know they have. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about these things. Um, and, uh, you yeah, know, the, the area is ripe with opportunities um, as long as people are willing to take a risk. I think that's where you see a lot of, uh, I guess, changing. We need to like work to change the culture and the attitude about taking risk in Appalachia. Because most of the money that's, I guess, what you call venture capital that comes in, it's either for energy, right? You know, um, oil, gas, uh, you know, timber, natural uh, coal. But the other thing is um, you see a lot of seed money come in to set up things in the tech business. Mm -hmm. And I and I totally understand that. We definitely need to have more of those jobs. But as companies move back from China and Mexico, you know, when, when the corporate taxes were lowered, and I guess as the future goes on with our strained relationship with China, if we move more small manufacturing back here, what better place to focus those businesses and job growth and economic growth than right here in Appalachia? The government doesn't have to pump money in because one of the slogans I think I've, I've mentioned many, many times, we don't need solutions for Appalachia. We need solutions from Appalachia. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these businesses that come back, you have a, you have a hardworking workforce like we talked about, some great people um, that have unique family values. Appalachia is a wonderful place right. and it's protected by these mountains you know um so there's so much opportunity out there and another thing is education that you're a part of um now when you were at uva wise or Prince valley college um you were part of a uh, it was a educational advancement what was the uh, organization that you were a part of well it was the several things we did we we created two in uh, incubators business incubators there uh we also did financial uh, economic education that's that's the word I look for. Economic yeah, education. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, several things was you know in the region we were doing. Yeah. Now you're still working with that now, still to this day, right? With yeah, both those things I just mentioned. Actually, uh, economic education and financial literacy, so I still work with. Uh, and also, we of course we developed two business uh, incubators there in Norton and, uh, and and Duffield there in Southwest Virginia. Now we're doing one here in Frankfort. We have a neat business incubator, and so again that uh, the, those. Those are how you create those opportunities. I think you give folks the tools to to do it themselves. You know, you, you know, you can help guide them and teach them, but then you, they have to have the tools to do it. That's where those incubators and makerspaces come into play. And yeah, so you, every and you're part of a um, not just a, it's not a makerspace, but it's called Frankfurt Center for Innovation. Yeah, right. So that's that's a new uh, nonprofit there in Frankfurt that you're part of, and. And you and I've always talked about this, and one of the reasons 
you know, our, the vision of our foundation was what it is, is mm-hmm. that we were all very grassroots and like community centered right. and oriented, finding solutions close to the ground and building out and building up. And everything that you've done, and even in our businesses, everything has been very community and local oriented. And you're doing the same thing there in Frankfurt. So it's, uh, you know, putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and, and building opportunity for neighborhoods and regions. And the goal that could be done in the mountains too. We're trying to do this as a, like a prototype of what could be done in, in Pikeville or Moorhead or wherever. Uh, you know, as long as it builds from that region or that, you know, comes from Pikeville, they could build their own makerspace slash business incubator that could do just what we're doing in Frankfurt. So I want to make this to be a, a model. Now, over in Letcher County, there's a little town called Jenkins, so we know it well. Um, now, before you get into Jenkins, there's an overlook up at the top. You had a really great business idea for that. And they built an overlook up there, but um, it was just a matter of trying to find money. And that was another business opportunity right there, like a welcome center, but not uh, state. Well, yeah, yeah, the welcome center. Yeah, that, that was, was going to go along with uh, James. Of course, come back to James again. He had a, a bigger idea of a resort up there. Uh, that that came later, but yeah, I had the idea of just doing a welcome center there. They Fletcher County has, has since put a nice overlook there. They have a real nice uh, little uh, about what twenty by twenty foot covered space, I guess, with a couple yeah. tables. So you know, it's not a welcome center that would you know originally drawn up, but maybe they may come later. And there's room there for uh, when they they widened the road um, what twenty five years ago now uh, yeah. that. Yeah, there's room for a welcome center there. And with the traffic coming through there, um, one of the one of the ideas you had was um, you could promote the region itself as local history, local arts mm-hmm. and artists right. uh, have have an area there that could be rented out for um, you know, parties, weddings, events, because it was such a beautiful overlook. And there's already a gazebo right there. I mean, I could just imagine couples getting yeah. married up there. Yeah, they, they developed the gazebo right now. That's all they have there. Yeah. But it's a, it's a beautiful overlook. And then, of course, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the rock. Raven they, Rock. Raven Rock up there over, overlooking Jenkins uh, had the uh, James. And he, he was kind of the glue pushing this to bring in a <laughs> casino resort. Um, and there was enough people. Actually, they were looking into getting lobbying uh, for the state of Kentucky to go to Kentucky, Frankfurt, to lobby to be able to allow uh, expand the game. Right. So. Yeah, it's just uh, of course, there's no 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 room for horse track there right now. Horse tracks have all the uh, uh, application. Well, they get all the applications for any kind of, of gaming facility. They it all goes to the horse tracks here. But anyway, that's uh, maybe in the future Jenkins will get something like that. It's a beautiful overlook where that Raven Rock is. That's another probably two hundred feet higher than where that overlook is there at the road. So it's really even a better view. Yeah, and not you know not, you know with Within a reasonable drive, you have the Brakes Interstate Park that covers both Kentucky and and Southwest Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, just we have such beautiful areas. And this area is is um, especially when you get out to like Scott County, mm-hmm. uh, Virginia, um, some of the just those beautiful mountains. I, I could be driving down the road, and I swear you would think you were in Montana, looking off at the distance at a mountain <laughs> range. But these mountains are made for hiking, biking, skiing, off roading. Um, cross-country racing right. it could be it could be a huge draw internationally mm-hmm. um for people to come and have these types of outdoor activities and races and competitions that mm-hmm. could be on like outdoor channel or 
uh, yeah, uh, ESPN, the Ocho, or whatever they have, how many ESPNs they have. <laughs> but, you know, that's the, there's so much opportunity out there. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's kind of like the change courses here a little bit. Um, yeah, we had two other founders that were original founders other than the two of us. And, uh, unfortunately, we lost them uh, here, you know, the last three years. Um, mm-hmm. James Hibbets, he was really a, you know, a good friend. Uh, you know, he was, he was a kind of spirit that was, you know, if it, he could be having the worst day. And if you had a bad day, he'd show up and find a way to make you smile. You know, right. he'd check on you whether, whether, whether he was having a bad day or not. And that he, that was just the way he treated everybody. And he, but he was such a dreamer and a big vision. And mm-hmm. you knew James quite a while. Talk a little bit about him. Um, he, he certainly made an impact on just the way we, we look at the region. Yeah, I actually met him one day. He and another friend of his was looking for uh, funding for a movie they wanted to do in Southwest Virginia. Was, uh, and so that we, we met up with some, I was just getting him together with some folks I knew in, in Norton there, uh, some uh, other friends of ours who had some other contacts. Maybe it's all about networking, of course. So I met, that's the first time I met James. I knew him, but I didn't really, you know, I hadn't talked to him. Um, so, you know, that was, again, several years ago. And we got together and uh, we, we had a lasting friendship. We basically, uh, you know, we didn't, that, that didn't come together there, but we started talking about other things. And uh, he was a banker at the time, uh, but he uh, had some uh, issues with the, well, the banking industry in Southwest Virginia uh, shrunk, I guess you'd say after the coal industry shrunk. So he got uh, uprooted from that. And, but he was just uh, always, uh, he never gave up. He, he got back into banking after doing some other things, but then that, again, fell through with as well. But uh, he ended up doing many jobs. He just never gave up. He was just relentless in uh, his uh, you know, desire to, to do something uh, spectacular, which uh, he did many things. And uh, one was he wrote a book, of course, and um, about his mother's uh, issues to, with that over in, that was in, actually in Jenkins, Kentucky. Uh, but he had ideas about, again, the, um, the casino. He, we, he, that was his dream on Raven Rock there, just above Jenkins, Kentucky. And I've never seen anybody so driven for, for that. And he, he, Yeah, he put together a lot of contacts. Oh, it was amazing that. what he did there. And, uh, those contacts are still together. Uh, matter of fact, I was thinking about that with uh, you know, a couple of guys there in Wise. Uh, they, they say, I need to contact them and, you know, we don't want to give up on his dream, and you know, we 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 may not be involved in it in the future, but hopefully somebody will be and take that forward because that'll be you know, we need to have some type of memorabilia up there for him that, that says you know James Hibbets you know did yeah. this help start this idea. Yeah, some sort of monument uh, because yeah. it's you know such a giving guy with such a big heart, oh, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, there 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 ought to be some sort of remembrance for what what he's done and and does. Our website's being redone by uh, Gary Sargent of New Wave Creations, and he's going to be revamping our website um, sometime this month at Max, I, I think. And uh, I did let him know I was going to—I wanted to write up a little tribute to James. Mm-hmm. Now James passed away what about three years ago? I think so. Yeah, and we have a picture of him on Raven Rock <laughs> looking out at the sunset. We need to put that up there, maybe. maybe yeah, yeah. He was—he was a dreamer. Yeah, and uh, you know, he, his life was just. A living example of that slogan: "It's impossible to fail if you don't know how to quit." Right, <laughs> and uh, that that summarizes James, you know, in so many ways. That really talk, speaks volumes to him. 
So we'll, we'll do that. And, you know, unfortunately, James, who enjoyed going to the gym and working out a lot. He had heart issues and um, he, he passed away at uh, early morning workouts. And yeah, he was working out. Exactly. That was, uh, was that a big stone and big stone gap. Yeah. Was just, he loved to work out. He did that religiously. Yeah. And hiking up that mountain. Well, he really enjoyed that. He really got into that swift silver mine legend and, Oh yeah, he had he was working on a Swift Silver Mine video game. I think that was another yeah. idea he had. And um, of course, he we love he loved going up to the Raven Rock. He took me up there one day without we didn't have a key to get the open the gates. We had to walk to it, and I I gave out. I finally made it up there, but uh, he was so excited. It's just a, but it's a beautiful view once you get up there. It's definitely worth it. To, yeah, to I regret not going up there, but man, if he, he kept saying, "Hey, come hike with us," I'm like, "Man, you're gonna have to roll <laughs> me around." <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do that someday. I don't want I don't want to pass out halfway there. You guys pick me up on the way back down. But uh, um, there's a cave. He went caving too. Yeah. Yeah. Our Binko and one of our our, um, our board members went into a cave there that was a Jonathan uh, or Jonathan Swift uh, legend. Uh, well, actually, it's a true story. Uh, a lot of it happened there in Jenkins, and a lot of uh, some of the, uh, the coins that were found uh, that are connected to Jonathan Swift. You know, they, James went into that cave. They didn't go all the way back, but you know, he was he was up for the adventure. He sure was. Yeah, and uh, some of the folks maybe remember on a previous podcast a few months back, we had Robert Prather on, and we talked about the Swift Silver Mine legend. And he's he's the author of the book. Uh, he's the guy who did the research, and mm-hmm. um, that's why we had. Uh, we got him together with um, a filmmaker there in Kentucky, documentary filmmaker, Tim Farmer. And Tim Farmer, yeah, award-winning documentarian, and mm-hmm. they uh, they did an hour-long documentary that came out a little while back on KET uh, about the Swift Silver Mine and mm-hmm. the legend, and they went down to Jenkins and filmed it. So James is part of putting all that together, that vision together, because you know he, he was he, he wasn't there to see it for to fruition, but he's the one that helped start it. Yeah. Oh, he lit the fire. So yeah. that was the. Was part, and we have a you know another. He was one of our original founders, and uh, you know it's it's unfortunate we lost him because you know that that attitude and spirit was was um, really needed a lot early on when we didn't really know what the heck we were doing, <laughs> right? We were trying to figure out what what we were doing. And um, Melinda Ellsworth, um, she passed um, uh, almost a year ago, and she was one of our original founders, and kind of a smile that would light up a room. And those of those of you I've mentioned it maybe before on here, but those who may be listening for the first time, Melinda's my sister, mm-hmm. and she passed away uh, December of uh, last year, just you know right before Christmas. Um, and uh, but you know that was kind of a tough blow, and you know she she kind of had one of these just a generous giving spirit that loved everything about her community, our little town here in Richlands, in Tazewell County loved where we grew up out here in the mountains it was just such a homer and a champion and a fan of everything we are as far as our culture and our history and everybody she she knew and uh yeah kind of kind of a smile that would light up a room and one of her biggest um issues one of the reasons why she wanted to um be a founding member of the foundation i remember we we were a little slow getting started because uh you and james are waiting on me and melinda basically you know we had this idea and I and I broke my arm in seven places, and yeah. then as I was healing, you know, kind of, uh, you know, coming off of that, uh, she she was diagnosed with breast cancer. So we kind of went through that. That was kind of what slowed slowed down the process because we got through uh, 
uh, some treatments for her and things like that. And she was a survivor. Um, and, uh, you know, so one of her big issues, I think, goes back to, you know, her daughter, my niece, Nicole. Mm-hmm. She was born, you know, almost pretty much she's deaf. She has she had to have hearing aids to hear and you know, she signs and so forth like that. But she learned to read lips at such a young age um, by just staring at people when they talked that we didn't know she was deaf. She didn't have any speech impediments at all. Like you had no clue. And then we realized at one point, hey, she needs to probably sit up in front of the class, you know, because uh, yeah, at some point when you're talking to her and she's not paying, you think she's not paying attention. She just wasn't looking at you. And we picked up on that before she got into school. And um, she was such a believer in education. She, she was a, uh, you know, assistant teacher at Richlands Middle School. And she was the one when the, she, she worked with a lot of troubled kids and uh, kids with learning disabilities. And if you know, kids were having a meltdown or a fit or crying or whatever, she'd take them out in the hall and just sit down on this bench out in the hall and just listen to them. And that was Melinda. She let these kids cry it out. And then they, they years later, they still remember because when she passed, a lot of those kids that were all the, you know in high school, they got together and as a tribute, they made a bench um, with a plaque in the middle with her name in honor of her. And they put it right outside the gymnasium at the middle school where Melinda would always go and grab a couple chairs and sit down and talk with her. And uh, they invited us for that tribute earlier uh, this year, which was, you know, tough to go. But I learned another thing about her, about her giving nature and just how much she loved helping people. Mm-hmm. When I was contacted by people on social media that had never met her before, because, you know, you make friends with people on there and you banter and you don't know these people, you never met them, but you get to know them. Right. And she was so helpful. At, uh, and, you know, she, she was, she was big on her faith and, uh, mm-hmm. People would email me after they found out she passed. And, um, they're like, wow, you know, I had this problem and I went to your sister and yeah, I never met her. And she gave me some good advice or counseled me or helped me through this or helped me through that just by listening and, and counseling. Right. And, you know, you realize how big of a heart some people have and you don't after the fact, you know, and I knew my sister had a huge heart, but, um, but, but to hear like how she helped strangers that way really kind of caught me off guard. And that was Melinda. And that was that was her love of this community and people in it and um, wanting to see, you know, especially educational opportunities, especially maybe for those who had disabilities or, or needs. So um, she was always uh, first one to give to Special Olympics, things like that. So um, that was one of the things in lieu of flowers and you know, donate to the Special Olympics or, can, you know, American Cancer Society or one of the cancer foundations. Um, she passed to COVID, uh, the, uh, her treatments from cancer basically wiped out her immune system. So, um, she caught a lot of stuff coming and going, but COVID was a little much last year and, and we lost her. And, uh, but she was a, uh, you know, one of the founding members of this foundation really believed in the mission and really just loved people around here. You know, she was such a homer, you know, yeah. so. Uh, no matter where you went, people like she saw people, people, hug, people hugged her everywhere, you know, all the time. She's a total hugger. And I guess that's where I got that from, too. But um, growing up with her. But no, they, they were very important people and uh, just setting the course yep. for, for our yep. mission. As we grow this uh, nonprofit and get involved in many things that we're going to be 
doing now plus what we're going to do in the future. We don't want to forget them and have them a part of everything we do. Now, as, uh, yeah, we'll we'll come to a close here because we've, we've uh, had you on here for a while. I know you got a lot of a lot of things going on tonight, but um, is there? I guess as far as a parting message to just people of the community and why they should, and hopefully, obviously, be supportive of us, and you know, with with donations and um, yeah, uh, it, I'll I'll just point out to people we don't take a dime. You know, we we've never taken a dime from the foundation. Um, most of the expenses we paid out of pocket. Mm-hmm that's not fun. I mean, cause sometimes, you know, you need the money and you, you put it here anyway. And, um, but so um, what, what kind of messages leave people, not just about helping the foundation, but believing in the region, you know, the, the attitude that we need to have to change the course of what Appalachia is. Right. And, you know, working together, we can, you know, develop different projects. We have, well, we have a lot of ideas, you know, I've got ideas that we haven't even touched on yet that we, we want to do. And it's just about, you know, sowing those seeds. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, uh, you know, there's, there's so many things to do out there. It's hard. You know, we got to, we got to pick and choose. That's hard to do, but uh, I know we've got a couple of things we're working on now. And I got a couple more things. I know we want to, you know, I want to see us get involved in. So again, anything they can do to help us or maybe become partners with some of the things we're doing, you know, contact us, let's become partners and, you know, working on, you know, our projects or your projects, uh, you know, that's what we're doing here in Frankfurt. I, I'm trying to partner with everybody. We're going to do that in Appalachia as well as partner and see how we can use our, you know, talents uh, to build something together. Yeah. And it's important. We can, we, we can, uh, you know, people always talk about, you know, the past of Appalachia. I think it's a beautiful place. I think they have a great yeah. culture and history because uh, I'm looking at the bright side of everything, you know, but uh for those who don't, you know, that are down on the region that are from here, um, just because, you know, the past doesn't dictate the future, it's like investing, right? Yeah. Yes, yesterday's results aren't tomorrow's results. So um, let's, let's focus on building from the ground up. And I will just want to remind people, we're going into the Christmas season and everybody's talking about supply chain issues, you know, economics, you know, 101 we're talking about. And, um, you know, stuff that are made locally here, Art, the, the artists that we have here, the crafts makers, people with local businesses here, those products aren't stuck on a shipping container out in the Pacific waiting to dock. They're right here. So mm-hmm. shop local. Remember your local artists, your, your authors, your musicians, your crafts makers. Um, the, these are great gifts for people. We actually know a couple of crafts makers. One on the yeah. parkway, uh, Mr. King, I forgot the name of his business there in Stanton. Um, he, he does uh, handcrafted woodwork. I think uh, he made some for your mother at one point, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. So um, we get emails from him. We get, we get the daily joke <laughs> from him in our in our email. If you want to visit us online, uh, supportappalachia.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash supportappalachia. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Share it with friends. We're on Spotify, iTunes iHeartRadio, Google Play, uh, Amazon Music, we're on that. So we're, we're everywhere you can find a podcast. So, you know, make sure you follow us. And if you have any questions about Gary, uh, just drop us an email, info at supportappalachia.org. And we'll, uh, we'll have back on, do a little Q&A with Dr. Strat. That's exciting. Again, not only buy local, but make local. Maybe uh, something you've always wanted to do, create a craft yourself. 
yeah, there's no reason why not, nothing's stopping you, but yourself. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, so uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, Gary, appreciate you sitting in and uh, and uh, kind of talk a little bit about yourself. I know I know it's kind of things we hate to do, so talk about ourselves, but um, but thank uh, you, JC, for doing such a great job. He's our chair, by the way, and uh, he's done a wonderful uh, job of leading us to to do some good things and many more things to come. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's, uh, it was a passion to do years ago, and hopefully, we'll we'll see uh, some good success going forward. But thanks again, everybody. We'll be back with another episode soon. And you're going to meet another board member. That's a newer board member. I may be talking to her tomorrow, actually. Uh, Tara Maynard. Mm-hmm. Also uh, introduced to us uh, from Gary. Works with her. And she's from Summit County in uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Pike County. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's from Pike County? Yeah. Okay. I, I was wondering if she had just recently moved. but. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, she's in Pulaski County now, which is the, the city there in Somerset. But she's originally from Pike County. Ah. I'm glad you corrected it. Somerset. Okay. I'm sitting here saying Somerset. Somerset. And then, uh, and then we'll, uh, we'll have Dr. Ernie Binko on again at some point, uh, Ray Ratliff and um, kind of round out our board. Everybody can kind of meet our, our five members. And, uh, again, we invite you to uh, visit us online. If, if you don't want to spend five bucks tomorrow at Starbucks and you want to donate five for us, uh, you can donate right online. Um, and I may actually open up a, a thing for uh, the holidays if anybody wants to uh, donate on Facebook. So I may go ahead and open that up on our Facebook page. And yeah, we have uh, 800 followers. Everybody did five bucks. I cover every one of our expenses next year, no more than we have. (laughs) uh, But uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Certainly do appreciate it. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you very much. Have a good day. All right.